Good morning, church, and welcome to this Valentine's Sunday. Over the past few weeks, we have been taking a look at a series entitled Rekindling Our Hearts. And if there was ever a time that we are to let our lights shine bright and our hearts to be on fire for Him, it's today. This series is designed to take a look at some of the kings in the southern kingdom of Judah. And today we're going to take a look at the 13th king, King Hezekiah, who was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned for 29 years. And the scriptures say that he, Hezekiah, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David, or actually just as his great, 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 great grandfather David had done. Overall, there are 20 kings in the southern kingdom that reigned over a period of about 150 years. And of those 20 kings, there were only eight good kings, and Hezekiah was one of them. Last week, we took a look at the eighth king, Joash. And Joash was one of those kings who did okay. He had a promising reign, but he just didn't live up to his potential as we took a look at last week. He just fell short because he wasn't a man of personal convictions. He he didn't have his principles. And because he didn't have his principles and his personal convictions, we took note that he had one of these follow-the-leader faiths. Follow the leader faiths. He, he was very uh, intimidated. He was very easily led astray by other people. Secondly, we took note how he didn't bring down the strongholds. He, he, he didn't destroy the pagan altars up in the hill countries. We also took note of how he surrendered the sacred. When the enemy was around him, he tried to pay off the enemy by taking things out of the temple of the Lord, the gold and the silver and the, of the treasuries, and, and he surrendered that which was sacred. And he ignored the call to repent. He had a promising reign, but yet he just didn't fulfill. Today we take a look at King Hezekiah And we're going to answer the question, what went right? What was it about Hezekiah's reign where he found favor in the eyes of God? And I think it's pretty straightforward. As we take a look at 2 Kings chapter 18, the the first seven verses, which which kind of just give a, a summary of his reign. There are three qualities, three characteristics that give us a clear indication as to why Hezekiah pleased God. Well, let's take a look at that first characteristic, that first quality of Hezekiah that pleased God. I call it a turnaround. Scripture says he removed the high places He smashed the sacred stones. He cut the Atroth poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning 
incense to it. There was a turnaround. To me, the life of Hezekiah is a picture and the reminder of God's grace. Now, why do I say that? Well, I say that because you have to know a little bit about Hezekiah's father, Ahaz. Ahaz was an evil, wicked king. In fact, he followed four kings who did good in the eyes of the Lord. For 137 years, the kingdom of Judah was at peace. But then came this wicked, evil king, Hezekiah, who overturned everything those four kings did that were good. In fact, Scripture says this about Ahaz. He, Ahaz, burned sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hidden. He sacrificed his sons. Yes, I read that right. He sacrificed his sons to Molech in the fire, following the detestable ways of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. Let me just say this. Just the fact alone that Hezekiah was not sacrificed like his other brothers show the grace of God upon him. As I said, Ahaz was this wicked, evil king who shut down the the temple and, and defied it. And when you think that from the life of an evil, wicked king, Ahaz, came a son who was godly? Well, you can only attribute that to the grace of God. So the first thing I see in King Hezekiah was this turnaround from his father who was evil and wicked. Now, we read in Scripture how he removed the high places and smashed the sacred stones. They were the pagan altars that even in the hill places he had removed. Hezekiah, the name means Jehovah is strength. And God gave Hezekiah strength to confront the pagan priests And the idolaters to tear down those altars, to tear down the Ashtoreth pole. He had the strength and the courage that this is not going to happen in my kingdom. My kingdom is a kingdom that's going to serve God. Like Joshua said, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. King Hezekiah, for me and my kingdom, we will serve the true And living God. And was not afraid to confront the idolaters. Now we read something very interesting here. How he broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses made. Now if you know your Bible history. You'll know back in Numbers chapter 21. There was a time when the Israelites were in the wilderness. And they were complaining to Moses about they had no food and they had no water. Why did you bring us out here to die? Why did we have to leave Egypt? And God provided them with manna every day. And they were even complaining about that heavenly food. 
Well, it says that God raised up venomous snakes, poisonous snakes, and they started to bite the people, the Israelites, and they would die. Well, the, the Israelites repent and, and tell Moses, hey, we're sorry for complaining. I guess we, we, you get bit by a snake, you would say you're sorry as well. And God told Moses to make a snake and to fashion it to a pole and lift it up. That whoever would be bitten by a snake, they were to go and they were to look up at that bronze snake and they would be healed. Now, you may also know that in John chapter 3, right before John 3, 16, Jesus said, just like Moses raised the snake, so the Son of Man needs to be raised up. And that was a symbol of, of the cross, that foreshadowed the cross as people looked to the snake and were healed. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ was raised and died on a cross for you and I, that we can look to him and have our sins forgiven and live eternally? So you may think to yourself, well, why would Hezekiah break into pieces this bronze snake? Because the people had made it an idol. Instead of looking to the God of the pole, they were looking to the snake as an idol. 700 years after which God made and ordained, it had become an idol. Where they were burning incense to it. Boy, this, this raises a lot of questions for me because I know there are God-ordained things. Things that God has made that we have to make sure we don't turn into an idol. There are people whom God raises up and it's easy to take our eyes off God and look to man and make man into an idol. Boy, we're on dangerous fields when that happens. Dangerous grounds. Let this be a reminder. There, there may be an event in your life that God ordained. And instead of looking to God, you keep looking to that event in your life and you've made it an idol. All I know is King Hezekiah had courage to recognize that which God made, they made into an idol. And he said it was time for it to be removed. Man, if we ever are going to rekindle our hearts, if there was ever a time we need to see God move, it's now. Therefore, we need to get rid of the high places, the hidden places. We need to examine ourselves and, and make sure that there's nothing religious in our life that we've made into an idol that could keep God from pouring out His Spirit. The first thing I see in Hezekiah's life is he did a turnaround, a turnaround from his evil father. And he brought restoration. He restored the southern kingdom with the strength and the courage to tear down and get rid of the things that were not pleasing to God. The second thing we see characteristic in King Hezekiah's life, is he held fast. 
Second Kings 18 verse 6 says, He held fast to the Lord. He did not cease to follow him. He kept the commands the Lord had given to Moses. He held fast to his convictions. He held fast to his principles. He held fast to the word of God. He held fast to the commands of God. He held fast to the promises of God. And Hezekiah would not let them out of his sight. Now there's something interesting in Chronicles. Chronicles parallel the book of Kings. and In fact, in Chronicles, it, it gives a little bit more insight into the reign of King Hezekiah. But listen to what 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 3 says. In the first month of the first year of his reign. In the first month, in the first year of his reign. He didn't let any time go by. He, he just starts making these executive orders. And the one executive order is he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. And then he tells the Levites, listen to me, Levites, they're the priests. Consecrate yourself now and consecrate the temple of the Lord the God of your fathers. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Our fathers were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord and forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him. And once again, we see the turnaround. We see a man who held fast to his principles and his convictions, to the promises and to the word of God. And he reopened the temple. And he had it purified. He told the priests to purify themselves, that they were going to go back and perform their priestly duties. And all throughout 2 Chronicles chapter 29, you, you see the reinstitution of sacrifices made on the altars of the Lord. And then there's something else interesting that happens in 2 Chronicles chapter 30. Along with instituting the, the temple sacrifices and, and the priestly responsibilities, he re established the Passover. He, he said, we, we haven't done this for years and it's, it's time to remember the festivals that God told us to observe. And there they observed Passover, but they took it one step further, which I found so interesting. In 2 Chronicles chapter 30, couriers went out from town to town, not just in the southern kingdom, but they went north to the northern kingdom and extended the invitation to celebrate Passover once again. They went from town to town in Ephraim and Manasseh and as far as Zebulon. But the people scorned and ridiculed them. Nevertheless, nevertheless, never give up hope. 
some men of Asher and Manasseh and Zebulun humbled themselves and went to Jerusalem. Why? To observe the Passover. Let me just stop and and say this for a moment, how this speaks to us. Listen, we have to hold fast to our testimony. We have to hold fast to being a witness. And there may be people who scorn and ridicule what we have to say. But remember, there will be always some who will be humbled by your testimony and by your witness. Make sure you hold on to your testimony and your witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then next, we see in Scripture how Hezekiah reinstituted contributions to the temple. How he encouraged people to, to bring in sacrifices and contributions to the house of the Lord. And I always remember the words of Jesus, how it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And then we read this little commentary in 2 Chronicles chapter 31. This is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah. Doing what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. In everything that he undertook in service for God's temple and in obedience to the law and commands. He sought God. He sought his God. And worked wholeheartedly. And so he prospered. Do you know what it says in scripture? It says that there was great joy in Jerusalem. There was great joy in Judah. As they had this king who held fast to his principles and convictions. And overturned that which his father had done. Great joy. And so he prospered. Listen, I'm, I'm reminded how we need to hold fast to our conviction and to our principles. You know, I'm, I'm always amazed at, at, at prayer meetings that start and then all of a sudden they fade. I'm always amazed at how some people will, will start attending church and a few months later it fades. Or perhaps you're going to conquer this temptation, this sin And you do okay for a week, but then you just go back. We need, like Hezekiah, to be men and women who hold fast to our principles and our convictions. We need to hold fast to the word and to the laws of God. I remember how Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you will hold fast to that which I have said. Hezekiah, one who held fast. And it says he prospered. But then the very next verse. After being so faithful, after working wholeheartedly, after prospering, after there was so much joy in Jerusalem and Judea, it says, after all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came to invade Judah. 
Listen, there are no guarantees. You could be serving the Lord on the road to victory. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the enemy could show up. Now, it says in Scripture that Assyria captured all the fortified cities in Judah. They had gone about and captured all the cities, fortified cities. And now they surrounded Jerusalem. In fact, they even cut off the water supply, thinking that they could just bring them out. But King Hezekiah, being a man of wisdom, built a water tunnel. 1,750 feet into Jerusalem. So even though the water supply was cut off, they still had water to Jerusalem. When the enemy surrounds, when the enemy surrounds you, make sure you hold fast. And the third characteristic was as he held fast, he trusted Hezekiah, despite the enemies surrounding Jerusalem, trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings in Judah, either before him or after him. I I think it's so interesting that the author of this biblical record actually saw and reminded him of the trust and said there was no one like King Hezekiah, either before or after Who trusted him. Now there's an interesting commentary. In 2 Kings chapter 18 verse 9. That says this. In King Hezekiah's fourth year. In the fourth year of his reign. Which was the seventh reign of Hoshea. Son of Elon. King of Israel. Shalmaneser. King of the Assyrians. Marched against Samaria. And laid siege to it. This wasn't the first time the Assyrians attacked. They came in and attacked the northern kingdom when King Hezekiah had only reigned for four years. And in his fourth year, Shalmaneser came against the northern kingdom and within two years took them captive. We're talking about the time of the divided kingdom with the northern kingdom to the south, that's Judah, with the capital Jerusalem, and Samaria to the north, that's the king Israel, the kingdom of Israel. Now, this is something interesting to note, and, and this is what the, the Lord spoke to me specifically about in here that the northern kingdom had 19 kings, and they reigned for about 212 years. And of those 19 kings, Every king was evil and wicked. And after 212 years, God said, enough's enough. And the Syrians came and took him captive. But listen, do you remember how the northern kingdom came about? The northern kingdom came about as a result of a rebellion. Remember after Solomon died? Rehoboam, his son, becomes king and raises taxes. And Jeroboam leads a revolt 
and takes ten tribes and decide we're not going to, to, to pay these taxes. And the northern kingdom was started. The northern kingdom came about as a result of rebellion. 212 years later, 19 all kings, evil and wicked, taken captive. You know what that tells me? There's nothing long-lasting that good that comes out of rebellion. There's nothing good that's long-lasting that comes out of rebellion, out of a rebellious spirit, because a rebellious spirit is based upon pride. In fact, Scripture says, for rebellion is like the sin of divination or witchcraft, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. So four years into his reign, King Hezekiah sees the northern kingdom alienated, wiped out, taken captive. Eight years later, now the king Sennacherib of Assyria is surrounded Jerusalem. Now listen to what the king of Syrian says. This is what the great king, the king of Assyria says. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have strategy and military strength, but you only speak empty words. Here's the Sennacherib, the Assyrian king who's, who's taunting Hezekiah and his kingdom. And how does Hezekiah respond? After seeing all the other fortified cities in, in Jerusalem destroyed. Once again, we, we sing Hezekiah holding fast to his principles, holding fast to the word of God, trusting in the Lord like his great, 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 great grandfather David said, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we will rise up and stand firm. They, the enemy, are brought to their knees and fall, but we will rise up and stand firm. Well, King Sennacherib sends his commander in, in charge of the army. And he has him come to the gate with a message for King Hezekiah. Well, Hezekiah sends out his palace administrator, his secretary, and his recorder. And these three guys see the commander of the Assyrian army, and, and they nicely ask, hey, in, in front of all the, the people here in Jerusalem, could, could you speak in Aramaic? Because we understand Aramaic. Just a simple request. Then the commander stood and called out in Hebrew, totally ignoring the request, and in arrogance, the commander of that army stood and called out in Hebrew, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. 
He cannot deliver you from my hand. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says the Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. Make peace with me. Come out to me. Man, how many times have we had the enemy speak those words in our mind? Think of King Hezekiah, still holding fast, still trusting in the Lord. Even the enemy is taunting him now and taunting his people. What does King Hezekiah do? Scripture says that he he tore his clothes. He put on sackcloth, which is a sign to repent. It's a sign of Humbling himself before God. He goes into the temple of the Lord. Listen, when you're having difficulties, when the enemy is surrounding you, there's no better place to be than in the house of the Lord. And he seeks a word from God. At that time, the prophet was Isaiah, and he sends his three chief officials to Isaiah to hear a word from God. And Isaiah said to them, tell your master, tell King Hezekiah, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you have heard. Those words with which your underling of King Assyria have blasphemed me. The king of Assyria has blasphemed me. Listen, I am going to put such a spirit in him That when he hears a certain report, he will return to his own country, and there I will cut him down with the sword. A word from God. Isaiah, a prophet. Listen, you always know a prophet by what he says comes true. Now, to make a long story short, there was some other taunting that was going on. But let me just start to bring this to a close and, 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 and make a long story short. There was a night as the Ansarians camped around Jerusalem. There was a night when an angel of the Lord came and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. They wake up the next morning and there's dead bodies all over. And what did Isaiah say? When he hears a certain report, when Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, heard that report, he packed up his bags and he went home. But the story doesn't end there. What did Isaiah say? I will have him cut down with a sword. Scripture says, One day, when the king of Syria was worshiping his God, Nimrok, Nishrok, one day when he was worshiping his God, Nishrok, Scripture tells us how his two sons came in. And put him to death with the swords. 
I will have him cut down with the sword. Boy, you will always know a prophet because a prophet's words always come true. I think of the trust that King Hezekiah had in the midst of surrounded by his enemies and he didn't even have to lift his sword. Remember, as we rekindle our hearts, make sure there's a turnaround. Make sure you tear down the strongholds, the high places, the hidden places, and perhaps even those religious experiences that we've made into an idol. Make sure there's a turnaround. Secondly, as we rekindle our hearts, make sure you hold fast to the principles, the personal convictions. Make sure you hold fast to the commands of the Lord and His promises. And make sure that even when the enemy comes to attack, make sure there's a great trust in the Lord. I trust as we rekindle our hearts and we want to earn favor with God and see a great outpouring of His Spirit that will take to heart the characteristics and the attributes of King Hezekiah will turn around will hold fast and will trust in the Lord our God. God bless you on this Valentine's Sunday. I trust that you will rekindle your heart and cause it once again to be set ablaze. God bless you.